Well, as Matt said, um, there will be opportunities this weekend for us to interact with each other, to be in small groups together, to be in competitions together. So we hope that uh, you will look for those opportunities, that uh, older men that will um, take opportunities and be it in small groups or um, at, at, during the meals or whatever to invest in the other uh, guys. And, and it goes both ways. Uh, I find that I often uh, grow the most and involved uh, probably more than somebody I'm meeting with oftentimes. Uh, and so you college students, man, it is so fun to have you here. And uh, we love your passion. We love your hunger. And um, this is going to be a great weekend. So we're glad you're here. I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. When I found out this afternoon that Steve Farrar was not going to be able to make it, um, I felt this uh, fear and trepidation trepidation come uh, across my body and uh, began to wonder what was I going to do and um, what were we going to do. We were riding over in the car with uh, Dan Martin and Dusty Davis and uh, Ian Kissel. And so I said, well, guys, um, Steve's not going to be here. What do, you, what do you think we should do uh, tonight? And uh, so uh, here I am. Um, I'll tell you, it's probably the most intimidating experience I've ever had because I have found Satan really beating me up that uh, as I've hadn't had much time to prepare that um, I haven't written any books and I'm not a well-known speaker. And um, my topic tonight and what we talked about on the way over here is to talk about honesty, how important it is that we're honest with each other, that we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with God. And so I'm being honest with you. This is, um, I need your prayers as um, we open God's Word tonight. I know His Word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and I know God's going to be faithful. It's not about me, but um, Bill Purcell, where are you? Would you pray? Would you pray for me? Thank you, Bill. Bill and I have been in a men's group together for several years, and the Lord sent he and Barb off to faraway land of McKinney, and it's good to have you back with us, Bill. Psalm 32, honesty. What is honesty? Why is it important? Why did I pick that tonight? Honesty. Is that something our culture values today? You see um, people being real and genuine with one another as a value in, in general in our culture today, or Do we have a tendency to try to play the game and try to pull a fast one over somebody else, try to market ourselves or whatever we're about? You know how we can do that even in Christian circles? We can uh, kind of play the game. And uh, I'm like you. I want people to like me. I want somebody to think well of me. And so if we're not careful, we can begin to live a life that's less than honest, sometimes even dishonest. Every once in a while, I'll have a couple show up into my office or they'll meet with me for counseling, and I'll find out that a spouse has not been honest, and uh, it's extremely painful. 
to that marriage. When we're not honest, it can be a barrier that inhibits a relationship from going as far as it's intended to go. Not just a marriage, maybe a a friendship, maybe a a brotherhood or a fellowship, uh, a small group. But it's certainly true with us in our relationship with God. You've heard the expression, pull the wool over somebody's eyes. We don't do that with God. He knows. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And he wants us to be open and honest with him. And when we do that, when we're real and we're genuine and we're transparent and we bear our soul before God, then he's able to do a work in our lives. He can do some business. He can shape and mold us into the men of God that he wants us to become. If we're not, if we hold back and we pretend and we're not real and we're not genuine and we're not confessing our sin and we're not honest with ourselves, then we end up having hindered, deficient, defective relationships with others. And that's certainly true of the sweetness of our fellowship with God. I picked this psalm because I felt Psalm 32 as I prayed about what to say in the beginning time of a men's retreat that this topic is extremely essential to us and where I believe God wants us to go over the course of this weekend. Because we're going to see a man, King David, a man after God's own heart, who is not honest with God. And we're going to see the consequences of his sin. We're going to see the pain and the distance and the desolation that resulted in this man's life. We begin in Psalm 32, and this is one of the what's called penitential psalms. I don't have a lot of notes here. Again, I just realized I was going to be speaking, so I'm just going to be sharing from my heart and from God's word with you tonight. But this is one of the penitential psalms. There's seven of them. What is penitential? Uh, penitentiary? You familiar with a penitentiary? What's the purpose of a penitentiary? It's so someone will have a change of heart, right? They've done something wrong. You put them in a penitentiary. And unfortunately, our penitentiaries are probably overall failing in this regard, but the purpose of a penitentiary is that someone will be penitent. They will repent. They will turn from their sin and they will have an about face in life. The penitential psalms were written and they were sung by the nation of Israel. They were, as the nation of Israel would come together, they would quote these psalms. They would sing these songs to the Lord for the purpose of getting right with God, of confessing their sin, of being real and genuine with God. And that's one of the things that is so powerful and one of the things that I love about Psalm 32 because King David is gut level honest with God and it really serves as a model to us for how we should be living our lives. And I think what will really help us this weekend as we 
have gathered together. We've driven these miles. We've trekked across the, the tundra to be here. And we're going to be rubbing shoulders with each other. And I want to begin by exhorting myself and all of us that life's too short to play the game. It's time that we are real and genuine and open and honest. And you have some brothers around you that will welcome that in your life. And we want to extend that type of community to each other over the course of this weekend. Psalm 32. We read a psalm of David. And David begins in verse 1 with, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. He talks about a man is blessed when he has been honest with God and he's experienced forgiveness. And in the beauty of the, of the Psalter, of the psalm, we see David mentioning several words for sin. We also see him describing several words for experiencing forgiveness. It's poetic. And he says, the man whose transgression is forgiven, that guy's blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? We have the Beatitudes, you know, blessed is the man. We have a, a number of these in the, in the Psalms that described a certain condition where literally God's hand is on a person's life and he is blessing us and he is giving life, his life to us as a result of something. And in this case, David is saying, my life is blessed because I have experienced forgiveness. He uses the word transgression. He's experienced forgiveness from his transgression. The Hebrew word transgression, it's actually a royal term of when a king had issued an edict, and it's as if he had drawn a line and he had said, this is the line and you, my subjects, will not step over the line. When the subjects step over, they have transgressed the king's command. And God in his word has given us precepts. He's given us teachings. And when we disobey him, we step across the line. We transgress. Another word that David used at the end of the verse, he said, whose sin is covered. This word for sin was used, it's the most common word in the Old Testament for sin, transgression, sin. Sin was used of uh, stone slingers and judges who missed the mark. They were slinging their stones and they would throw it and they would miss the mark. The Greek word Uh, in the New Testament for sin, picks up on this concept that when we sin, we miss the mark of God's standard of perfection and holiness. And the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that's our estate. We are are sinners. Uh, We are born in sin. And as Matt shared, he had a point in time. Thank God for that uh, family that invited you to that backyard Bible club and You heard the gospel and you placed your faith in Christ and you received forgiveness of your sin. And that forgiveness is available to all who will believe. Um, God tells us in his word that he wishes that none would perish. And so we have stepped across the line. We have transgressed. We have sinned. And David describes that when he's experienced forgiveness from that sin or when his sin is taken away or covered, 
That's a blessed place to be. He continues on in verse 2. He says, repeats it again. And he said, how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there's no deceit. So in a way he's repeating, again in a poetic form, what he just said about being blessed when his transgression is forgiven. He said, how blessed is the man whose sin is not taken on his back, is not reckoned, is not counted against him. That guy is blessed because the Lord does not count iniquity on his, uh, against him. And in this man, the man that is blessed, he has a certain quality that I really want to hone in because I think it's indicative of, of what happened when David experienced this forgiveness. He said, in whose spirit there is no deceit. In whose spirit there is no deceit. Not just on the outside, but from the inside, there's no deceit. He's gut level honest with God. Men, if we are to be blessed by God and experience forgiveness and for God's hand of blessing to be upon us, and for us to really go where God wants us to go this weekend, we've got to be honest with Him. And we've got to be honest with ourselves. And we can't have deceit in our spirit. Because that just stiff arms God. It stiff arms our brother. And you may be here tonight and we've got a lot of people from all ages and a lot of different experiences and you may be carrying a backpack of guilt over something that you have done and God's good news is He wants you to experience forgiveness for that and He wants you to take that off and experience the blessing of His forgiveness. But in order for us to do that, we've got to be honest with Him. We've got to be real with Him. We've got to be genuine with one another. And so we see this also in Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28, 13. Proverbs 28, Solomon writes, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Because the Lord is a compassionate God and He desires to forgive His people. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there's no deceit. Now David is going to go on and he's going to write about what happened when he did not experience forgiveness, when he was not honest with God. And the context of this is in uh, 1 Samuel, I'm sorry, in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 11 and 12. And this is the famous story, you know, about David's worst sin of his sin with Bathsheba. I mean, how would you like to have your worst sin recorded in God's word to be read throughout history as an example of what not to do? But in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, we read about David's sin with Bathsheba. He had a moral uh, failure. He had adultery with another man's wife. And um, afterwards, he tried to cover it up. He had Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, brought in. He wanted uh, Uriah to sleep with his wife, so it would appear, by the way, she had become pregnant, and he wanted it to look like uh, it had happened the right way, rather than uh, his sin, and uh, Uriah wouldn't go in and, and sleep with his wife. He, um, my men are in battle, I'm going to sleep on the threshold of the floor, so David got him drunk, he tried to get him to go in again, and uh, he still wouldn't go sleep with his wife, so David sent a letter, uh, bore by Uriah to Joab, and told him to be placed in the front of the battle, and uh, he did. Joab put him at the front of the battle. They pulled back, and the archers uh, 
struck and killed Uriah in battle. And um, we read in 2 Samuel chapter 11, when this found Uriah, the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead. She mourned for her husband. When the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house. She became his wife. Then she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now we have a time gap. Some time goes by. child is born. And uh, Nathan, the prophet, comes and confronts David. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and he gives an illustration. And uh, bottom line is Nathan is confronting David for a sin. In verse 7, Nathan says, You are the man, thus says the Lord God of Israel. It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. And uh, we keep reading. And in verse 11, Thus said the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will even take your wives before your eyes. I will give them to your companion. He shall lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. Then David said to Nathan, And here's the power of forgiveness, because David now is honest. David said, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because of this deed, you have been given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born to you shall surely die. David had to face the consequences of his sin. And what we have back in Psalm 32 is we have David describing the pain of the period of time between when he had sinned and when he experienced forgiveness from God. He is describing that for us in Psalm 32, verse 3. When I kept silent about my sin, and he's again referring back to this period of time when he was not honest with God, When he had not confessed his sin, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. David describes the emotional pain, the physical pain, the spiritual pain of being distanced. From his Lord. And he is in agony. In verse 4, he says, Day and night your hand was heavy upon me. That literally my, my life, the vitality of my, my life was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. It's like I'm a plant that's in, in the heat, it's just withering away. Have you ever been there? I have. You ever had something you've done and you haven't been honest with God and the Lord's hand is heavy upon you? It's miserable, isn't it? It's painful. See, God has designed us to enjoy the sweetness of our fellowship with Him. He has created us to walk with Him in purity and holiness. And He's designed us as men to be courageous enough To confess our sin, which means to agree with God, and to be open and honest with Him. And when we do that, He forgives us. And there's a blessing that comes, because then we're able to experience 
that intimacy with the Lord that he's designed us to have. The periods of time in my life when I've chosen to sin and I've not confessed before the Lord have been some of the most miserable times of my life. I remember when I was um, right after college, uh, I was a single man and uh, I um, was dating someone I shouldn't date. Um, I was about 23 years old and um, it was, I was not honoring God. I was a Christian but was not honoring God with this relationship and we had a way too physical of a relationship and I knew the Lord was telling me to break up with her and I didn't because I enjoyed her companionship and I enjoyed the relationship too much. And so this went on for a period of months, and I found my heart growing colder and colder towards the Lord. We ended up breaking up. We ended up, I ended up um, confessing, apologizing to her for the physical nature of our relationship. Ended up confessing my sin to the Lord. And I cannot tell you what a relief that was the experience, the forgiveness as David is talking about. I've had other periods in my life when I have chosen to willfully disobey. I've had periods earlier on in my marriage that I struggled with pornography and I didn't tell my wife. And the distance that I had between us was painful. And she knew, and I, we both knew something was wrong. And when I was honest with her, and I was honest with God, the sweetness of restoration and fellowship was so incredibly powerful. I've had times when, and you know, talking about other things, when it's just been pride. And I've been prideful. I've, I've wanted something, or a certain position, or, or a certain possession, and I've said, I deserve this, and I felt my heart grow hard and, and calloused. And what I've come to realize, men, and I'm 51 years old, and I still have a long ways to go, but what I've come to realize is that when I'm not honest with God, and I'm not real with Him, and it may be a little thing or a big thing, but when I'm not broken before the Lord and, and transparent with Him, then my heart grows cold. And I feel myself, because he's not pulling back from me, I feel myself pulling back from him. And I feel myself losing my first love. Can any of you relate to that? Or any of you here tonight that might be in that boat? Maybe God brought you here because he's speaking to you and to me. And he wants us to be honest with him about a sin in our lives. Maybe it's in a little private closet in our lives that nobody knows about. Maybe it's an area of our lives that we're not even admitting to ourselves that we're struggling with. Guys, we all struggle. <laughs> Do you struggle? I struggle plenty. I sin every day. Okay? I'm rotten to the core. I'm probably the biggest sinner in here. Paul talked about being the chief of all sinners. One of the things I find 
is that godly men, I had uh, lunch with a man that mentors me two weeks ago. And he spent a good bit of our lunch confessing his sin. And I'm going, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, when I'm your age, I thought I'd be past that. Guys, we're going to struggle with sin until the day where we die and we enter into a glorified state. It's part of the normal Christian life to struggle. I struggle plenty. I mean, the men around me will tell you, yeah. Are you struggling tonight? Welcome. You're in the right place. You got a burden? Something you're carrying? You got a hurt? You got a struggle? Something that's been holding you back? You're in the right place. God wants us to be honest with Him. Gut level honest. And not play games. He wants to do a work in our lives this weekend. Well, how do we go about doing that? What does it look like? That's what I love about David. Look at verse 5. Here's David's model for us, really, of being honest with God. Look at the progression. I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And here it is. And you did forgive not only his sin, but the guilt of his sin. Wow. If you're here tonight and you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have never received the free gift, eternal life that Matt talked about, what a wonderful opportunity. And it's so simple. For me, I was nine. I was a child like Matt. It's a matter of admitting we're sinful. Lord, I need you. Recognizing that we can't have a relationship with a holy God apart from his son. God demonstrated his love towards us. And while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And receiving, as Matt talked about, receiving his free gift. And when we do that, God breathes life into us. And he forgives us of all of our sins, past, present, and future. He adopts us into his family. And he says, you're mine. You're mine. He knows us by name. And he gives us his spirit to enable us to live a life, to honor him. That's the good news of the gospel. If you've never done that, it's my hope and prayer that today would be the day of salvation for you. And you'll receive this free gift. For those of us who are Christians, we know that sinning doesn't stop once we trust Christ. Isn't that right? Now, our relationship with God is secure. He'll never leave us or forsake us. But when we sin, our fellowship with God is broken. And given a room this size, a group of guys this size, there's probably some of us that have walked in here tonight that have some issues that we need to deal with. But that's the beauty of who God in his character, because he's standing with open arms, ready to receive us.
if we'll just be honest with him and we'll ask forgiveness and we'll confess it. Confess means to agree, to say the same thing and to experience the sweetness of the intimacy of the fellowship with God that he's designed for us to have. Again, David says, I acknowledge my sin. He didn't call it somebody else's sin. It's not a a fudge, you know, hey, everybody's doing it. He called a spade a spade. I acknowledge my sin to you. My iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And praise God, you did forgive the guilt of my sin. This is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He goes on and he describes the blessing of being a forgiven man. And he exhorts us that to seize the day, the time is now, in verse 6. Therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. And he's using a picture here of a, a calamity, of a flood. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not reach him. And here's this famous verse, you all know it. You are my hiding place. You do preserve me from trouble. You do surround me with songs of deliverance. When we confess our sin, when we're honest with God, then we enter into that fellowship with Him that He's designed us to have. And He surrounds us. We're His hiding place. We're in a safe place. And He surrounds us. Wow. With his presence. And as David describes here, with songs of deliverance. Surrounds us with songs of deliverance. Now God speaks. He says, David, I will instruct you and teach you. And he's saying this to us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding. I grew up in Missouri. I knew a thing or two about Missouri mules. I used to try to train them. They are stubborn beasts. And that's what he says we're like. We're sinners. We're stubborn. He says, don't be this way. Have a soft heart. Listen to God speaking to you and respond in faith. Respond to what he's saying. Do not be as the stubborn horse or the mule, which have no understanding, whose trapping includes a bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. And here's his warning. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. In contrast, but he who trusts in the Lord, chesed, loving kindness, the covenantal love of God with his people, loving kindness shall surround him. There are that words again. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. My loving kindness will surround him. And then he ends with worship. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. And shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. Let me read that again. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. The ones of you who have confessed your sins. And there's no deceit. And you've been, you've been honest with me, God says, I will bless you. I will surround you. You will, exp- you will be shouting for joy at the experience of forgiveness and taking that heavy backpack weight of guilt off your back. All you who are upright 
in your heart. Colin, would you come up? Um, I've asked Colin and uh, the worship team to guide us in response tonight. And Colin's going to lead us in a couple of songs. And this is an opportunity for us to respond as God is moving. And I want to encourage you to apply what David has said. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Be honest with him. Ask him to forgive you. Confess your sin before the Lord. If you've never trusted in Christ, let this be the day of salvation. And if you, as we go through this time uh, and Colin leads us, you feel the Holy Spirit touching you and, and pointing out areas of your life, confess those to the Lord and ask Him to forgive you.